You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. There's no doubt about it, but Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth's death has deeply impacted people throughout the Commonwealth and the world. If you open any news feed still, any news feed is just full of things looking at her passing, processing it, as well as reflecting on her recent funeral. And look, hear me from the outset, regardless of what you think about the monarchy, even if you think it's well and truly time for Australia to become a republic, even if you have justifiable misgivings around the many injustices that have come about as a result of British imperialism. Because there's been many. There's been many. I'm sure you can agree with me when I say that Queen Elizabeth was a woman who inspired millions of people all around the world with her faithfulness and devotion to her work as Queen for over 70 years. I think John Dixon, the Professor John Dixon, a Christian academic and historian, his thoughts on this are really helpful. He says this, Did Queen Elizabeth II benefit from the wrongs of Britain's imperial age? Of course, greatly. But few of us have done anything compared to Her Late Majesty to redress injustice, serve society, heal old wounds and bring diverse communities together and raise money for those in need. You know, there's no question Queen Elizabeth was, as Rob Schwarzwalder, a journalist, writes, she was a woman who combined personal warmth with dignity and the increasingly rare, and man, this is true, increasingly rare and highly valuable quality of self-restraint. Her character was steadfast and gracious. Now, you may or may not be aware of this. You probably would have been if you'd watched any snippets from the Queen's service that she helped to put together. But Queen Elizabeth's character and way of life was not simply just a product of her privileged upbringing. Like, she wasn't just moulded to be this kind of person with the values and character that she had through living as a member of the royal family. But actually, most profoundly, she was shaped through her personal faithfulness and devotion to God. Queen Elizabeth held the formal role of, here's a title, if you ever want a title, the Defender of the Faith and Supreme Governor of the Church of England. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Wouldn't fit that on a business card. But her faith was far from being formal or symbolic. Queen Elizabeth's faith in Jesus Christ was genuine. Genuine. And it was actually her faith, she says herself, she attests to this, that guided and strengthened her in fulfilling her duties as queen and living the kind of life that she did. So today, rather than just do like a memoir on the queen, what I want to do is I'm going to actually draw out some lessons from the way that she went about her life to encourage and challenge us to continue to follow and serve Jesus with dedication and commitment, to live our lives with a greater 
purpose, to live lives of faith and service in all the ways that God calls us to in the context in which we find ourselves. Sound good? Cool. So let's pray as we open God's word and gain some encouragement from someone who lived their life well and was an example of faith and service to God. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that, that at, at the core of it, you call all of us to lives of faith and service to you. And we thank you, God, that, that in our queen, late Queen Elizabeth, who, who ruled for 70 years, what an incredible uh, time to be in a power like that. But she did so not in a way that she wanted everyone to serve her and be at her beck and call. But, Lord, she did. She gave herself sacrificially for the good of other people. And, Lord, when she did that, she was doing that not merely because it's what was expected of a queen, which it was, but actually and fundamentally and deep at the core because of her love for you. And so, God, we pray that you might speak to each of us where we're at in terms of how we can grow as people of faith and of people who serve others sacrificially just like you. So God, speak through this message, we pray, and we are just open to receive and be challenged by your words to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Queen Elizabeth was never meant to be queen. She was never meant to be queen. She wasn't born in the right line to inherit the throne. It was only when her uncle... King Edward, he abdicated the throne and gave up his role as king to marry a lady by the name of Wallace Simpson, which was, uh, caused a bit of a stir in that day because not only was she divorced once, but she was getting a divorce from her second husband. And of course, as the head of the, the um, Church of England, it's probably not a good look to be married. And that's why the opposition was there for this marriage. It wasn't until her uncle abdicated that her whole life was dramatically turned upside down. Queen Elizabeth was just 10 years old. That's her there, at 10 years old, when her father, King George VI, became king. And it's, it's quite well known, actually, when, when you look at some of the interviews she's made and things like that, that it was at this early age of 10 years old when Queen Elizabeth sought out personal relationship with God herself and chose to devote herself not only to living a life of service to the Commonwealth, but first and foremost to serving Jesus. Anne Lim, a writer for Eternity News, explains that her uncle's abdication was an overwhelming event that prompted the young princess to anchor her life in the Christian faith. And... Some of you have lived these years. I can only look back in the history books. But Queen Elizabeth's quiet but authentic faith continued to grow and develop as she grew herself. In the address she gave for her 21st birthday, she made her faith position very much clear to her people when she said this. I won't do it in the accent. But she said, I declare, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. God help me to make good my vow. And God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. At the age of 25, Elizabeth ascended to the throne, 
when her father, King George VI, passed away after a long battle with lung cancer. Elizabeth was actually away in Kenya at the time with her husband Philip on a tour that was to eventually make it to Australia when she got the news. And as we saw with King Charles, the moment the monarch passes, the next in line is king or queen. It's just like that. So she had to cancel all of her, all of her plans and head back to England, where she very quickly mourned the passing of her father, as she had to, because she had work to do, and was coronated as the Queen of England in what was the first televised coronation service, uh, a big deal at the time, which was actually led by, by her husband. He had a big role to play in, seeing, in opening up that to the common people, perhaps. Queen Elizabeth's deep reverence for God was again highlighted when she actually she raised concerns about certain aspects of that service being seen by just anybody. Did you know that? So there was things, some sacred and more intimate parts of the service. She, was, she had apprehension that they'd just be screened to a worldwide audience. So they made a compromise. Certain parts of the service, such as communion where the Archbishop would, would give the, the monarch communion, and also the anointing, the moment where the Archbishop would put oil on her forehead, setting her side as a servant of the Lord, both those parts were actually not televised. And Elizabeth would, and she did. If you look back at pictures around that time, you'd see that she actually sat obscured from view. They had this kind of tent that they put over so that the cameras wouldn't actually be able to see all those events that were going on, not because they didn't want to, but actually because she didn't want to. She literally saw that in that moment, she's sitting there in the presence of her maker, and she wanted that to remain sacred and special. And at the first of her many Christmas addresses, who's enjoyed watching a Queen Christmas address? I sure have. Queen Elizabeth's humility and faith in God again came to the fore. Here's what she asked of her people in 52. She said, pray for, no, pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. And history tells us that she did just that right to the very end. Queen Elizabeth devoted her life to serving to loving God and others. And even in her last weeks and months, really, as her health declined quite quickly, she continued to serve and fulfil her duties, swearing in the United Kingdom's new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, only two days before she passed away. There's no question, Queen Elizabeth led a life of faith and service and She's now left a profound faith legacy that will continue to inspire and challenge and encourage people for many, many years to come. So, as we reflect on her life, her faith example, and as we seek to grow in faith and service ourselves, what lessons can we take away from her witness, from her faith example? I'm going to draw out a few for us today. So here we go. Here's the first. Queen Elizabeth 
used the platform God had given her to share her faith in Jesus and the good news of the gospel. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. If you look back at recordings or even transcripts of the many speeches that Queen Elizabeth made over her lifetime, you'll see one consistent thread through them all. And that is, she continually referenced Jesus, the reason for the hope she had, clearly and always with gentleness and respect. Her Christmas addresses, which apparently, I believe, were some of the only speeches that she was given the freedom to pretty well craft by herself. Every other speech that she wrote had to go through multiple you know, communication experts and policy advisors and all this sort of stuff, but they gave her pretty well free reign to craft her Christmas messages. And what did they do? Time and time again, they're talking about Jesus. They're sharing the good news of the gospel. They're offering people hope for the reality that there's more to life than what we see. Here's some examples. This is in 2002 when both the Queen Mother and her sister, Princess Margaret, died. I know just how much I rely on my own faith to guide me through the good times and the bad, she said. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. In 2008, during the great financial crisis, I hope that, like me, you will be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who often in circumstances of great adversity, managed to live an outgoing, unselfish and sacrificial life. He makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than being served. And in 2014, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. A role model of reconciliation and forgiveness, he stretched out his hands in love, acceptance and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek to respect and value all people of whatever faith or none. Time and time again, Queen Elizabeth used her platform, not just at Christmas, not just at Easter, not just at the times that it's kind of appropriate in society still, especially in England, to talk about these kind of things, but she used all her platforms that she had to share her faith in Jesus and the good news of the gospel. Now, you might be thinking, well, well that's great because she is the whatever it is in the Church of England, and so she can. And you're talking to me, I will never have a platform like the Queen or the King of England. And, I mean, that's right, unless one of the young kids grows up to marry one of the future princes or something, that's probably not going to happen. But let's not be naive here. Every single one of us have been given a platform by God. Each of us have been given a platform by God for a purpose. So the question is, how are you using yours? How are you using your platform? Are you using your platform to, to share with words, not just with deeds? Because who knows, I, maybe I'm the only one here, but 
I feel like sometimes I've hidden behind doing good works when actually there have been opportunities to speak the truth and maybe that's what that person actually needed more than just someone else doing good things for them. That's maybe, maybe I'm unique in that, I don't know. But maybe how are we using our platforms to share with words, not just through deeds, the good news of Jesus Christ? Because the reality is all of us have a platform, multiple platforms, and we're commanded to, by God, to share the gospel with others. So how is God calling you to share the gospel from your platform while remaining true to yourself like Queen Elizabeth did. And I I think this is really encouraging. Like if you think about Queen Elizabeth's lived example, you would see firsthand that you don't need to be a certain type in order to use your platform to share the gospel. Yeah? We don't need to be loud. We don't need to be particularly charismatic. We just need to be ourselves and be ready to to use the opportunities that God gives us and that our platform provides. So if you're here today and you're a parent, what an opportunity. Use your parenting platform to regularly tell your children about the love of God and the wonder of the gospel. Tell them how much you love Jesus, how wonderful Jesus is, and then show show them how wonderful he is by the way that you live your life. And in all of it, do it with gentleness and respect. As led by the Spirit, use the platform you've been given. What about those of us who work in a workplace? That's our season in life. Well, I encourage you, use your work platform where appropriate to share with your colleagues about how Jesus changed and continues to change your life. If someone's struggling in your team, Instead of just going, oh man, that's really sad for you. Actually say to them, I'll, pr- I'll be praying for you. That you'll experience breakthrough in that. And then, don't just say that, because how good are we at just saying that? Go away and then do it. And pray for them faithfully. Take the opportunity that all of us get when someone asks us, when we get back to work on the Monday, oh, what did you do on the weekend? Instead of just picking anything to tell them besides church, tell them that you went to church and then share something about how you found Christian community to just be such a blessing to you in your life. And do it all with gentleness and respect, as led by the Spirit, using the platform you've been given. What about those of us who are retired? Woohoo! Ho-ho, Percy, if you're retired, I just encourage you, make the most of your everyday life interactions with people, with your grandkids, with cafe owners, with other retirees, with checkout chicks, men and women, before they're replaced by all the automated ones, whoever, wherever, speak of your love for Jesus and share the hope and the peace and the joy that you yourself have experienced and embraced through faith in Jesus Christ. And do it all with gentleness and respect, empowered by the Spirit. Use that platform you've been given. The reality is, like Queen Elizabeth, we all can. We can all use our platforms with gentleness and respect as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to move in our hearts, 
Guide us, speak to us, direct us, guide our conversations. We can all use the platform we've been given to share our faith in Jesus and the good news of the gospel. So that's the first. Here's the second. Queen Elizabeth lived to serve others and didn't live to be served by others. In her 2008 Christmas address, she said this, and she alluded to Jesus' teaching in Mark 10.45. She says, I hope that, like me, you will be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who, often in circumstances of great adversity, managed to live an outgoing, unselfish and sacrificial life. He makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than being served. And here's Jesus' words in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, these weren't empty words for Queen Elizabeth. She lived this foundational teaching of Jesus out consistently throughout her life. She didn't live to be served, but took seriously her call to serve others and sacrificed her life in order to do so. And I don't know if you watched the brilliant six-minute sermon that the Archbishop gave. Literally six minutes, that's all he had. He packed so much gospel into that six minutes. But this was something that he, he just brought home over and over and over again in those six minutes at her funeral. And despite living a very privileged life with servants of her own, because that's the reality, she had some nearly 400 staff, personal staff, that's... Pretty impressive. And all the trappings of success, Queen Elizabeth remained humble and devoted to serving Jesus. Dr. Dudley Dyfes, I believe it is, the author of The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, if you're a Kurong customer, you might have seen that advertised of late, uh, testifies to how it was actually the Queen's faith in Jesus that protected her from corruption and egotism. He said this in a recent interview, the most surprising thing for me in writing the book was the humility and groundedness of Her Majesty. In particular, I noticed her willingness to not take herself too seriously and to maintain a perspective. I think the fame and wealth and traditional weight of her position could easily have gone for one's ego and probably would have for the majority of people if they had inherited that role. But she viewed it very much as a duty to God, foremost in service, and that is how she approached it. I'm wondering, friends, how are we living lives of sacrificial service? Are we living to be served by others? Or are we living to serve others like our Saviour, Jesus Christ? How are you right now, today, in this season, how are you allowing Holy Spirit to guide you and empower you to sacrificially serve other people. You know, statistics show right now we're at a point in history where there's been a significant shift in people's willingness to serve others. There's no question. You look all over the globe. This is a global phenomenon. It's, it's all across the board. In some research conducted right here in Australia from the ANU, Professors Nicholas Biddle and Matthew Gray discovered that there were 2.3 million fewer Australians 
volunteering in April 2021 than there were in late 2019. And if you're stuck on the maths with, feels like a blur of like 20 years of COVID, these were both periods when people could freely volunteer, right? So 2.3 million fewer Australians volunteering. And if you chat with a member of any volunteer organisation in our community right now, sporting clubs, welfare organisations, churches, you'll discover that this trend has continued. And let's be real, it's easy to see why it has, isn't it? We had our normal disrupted as a result of COVID. We suddenly couldn't do the things freely that we'd once done. We fell out of routine. We filled our days with other, often very good, pursuits. And we've become quite comfortable with our new norm. Now, hear me here. I'm not suggesting that the new rhythms that we've embraced are bad. I'm not, thinking that, I'm not suggesting that all of them are bad. But I think we'd all agree if we did some honest heart evaluation just before our maker, one-on-one, I think we'd agree that not all of them are necessarily great and that maybe quite a few of them are actually quite selfish, not selfless. Because here's the thing, friends. God longs that we would be people who would follow his son and serve him as servants. As servants. Just as Jesus laid down his life for our sake, God longs that we would be people who would, for the good of other people and for his Father's glory, do the very same thing, lay down our lives for the sake of others. That we would be people who would make personal sacrifices with our time, with our resources, with our energies, even in terms of our own personal comforts for the good of others and for God's glory. So friends, how's God calling you to follow him in this new season, post-COVID? How is God calling you to follow him in serving others? What are the skills, what are the talents, resources that he's calling you to put to use to serve him faithfully? Are you serving others sacrificially right now or are you perhaps stuck in a bit of a COVID slumber and holding back from giving to God and others through service. You know, there, there are so many ways we can serve others sacrificially. Hickey are always looking for volunteers. Perhaps that's a way you can continue to lay down your life as a servant of Jesus. Jen, our children's pastor, she says that Badger Creek Primary School could have all the adults in our entire church community as mentors in their school, and they still wouldn't have enough for the demand. Perhaps mentoring is a way that you could continue to lay down your life as a servant of Jesus. And you mightn't realise this, but we're really low on volunteers in pretty well every ministry area in the life of our church. That's just the reality. We have four people currently serving fortnightly on the cafe team. We realistically need eight people to serve 
on that team. We have four baristas, and I know from the people that are on that that they would love to have another couple of baristas to help serve. We have four volunteers for creche currently, and we could do with at least eight people to serve on that team. We have five volunteers for Liberty Kids and BCC combined. And we're ideally looking for a team of at least 10 to to join and serve. Friends, Christian community is what we all make it. What we all make it. And faith communities are healthy when we all, in our own ways, in line with giftings and abilities, and sometimes just a willingness to say, you know what, there's a need there, I'll do that. Mightn't be my thing, but I'll do that because I see the value in that. When we all, faith communities are healthy when we all lay down our lives for each other as servants of Jesus. And I reckon if we're here, if we're a part of Liberty Family Church, if this is our home church community, we can help, can't we? We can all play a part and serve. So I just want to encourage us. Let's all, like Queen Elizabeth did, choose to willingly and joyfully lay down our lives in sacrificial service to one another for others' good and also to glorify our Father God, the sacrificial and his sacrificial son. We might just find that we actually experience abundant blessings from God too as we find fulfilment as Jesus teaches in giving rather than receiving and serving rather than being served. Okay, that's the second. So Queen Elizabeth lived to serve others and didn't live to be served by others. And here's the third takeaway. Queen Elizabeth valued and prioritised Christian community. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Naturally, as the head of the Church of England, Queen Elizabeth had a lot of church engagements that she had to attend. She was an honourable guest. She was required to be there. And yet, anyone who, her biographers and others who have chatted with her have testified that she did not go to church, she wasn't a part of Christian community simply because she had to, she was there because she actually wanted to be there. She valued Christian community. And I guess in this way, she genuinely took seriously the the writer of Hebrews' command and experienced the blessing that came from those time regularly spent in community with other believers. And here's the thing that maybe some of us weren't aware of, but this desire for community wasn't limited to only attending Sunday services. Because can you imagine, as the queen, you could be physically present with people, but you couldn't actually be relationally present, could you? you? There's all these guards and snipers up high and all sorts of things, and it's a bit off-putting from anyone going anywhere near the queen. But she, she, while she couldn't be physically present with people in church service contexts, Um, She made other ways to actually do that. She facilitated other opportunities for more intimate times in Christian community. 
You mightn't be aware of this, but Queen Elizabeth was lifelong friends with the Reverend Billy Graham. She was friends. Their friendship spanned more than 60 years. Incredible. And this wasn't just some kind of thing like, oh, you know, he's, a, he's an honourable preacher and I should have him over to my place. There's none of that. She had a real hunger. Billy Graham testifies to the hunger that the Queen had for God's word, for growing in her knowledge and application of, of Jesus' ways in her life. Billy Graham spoke many times of the intimate and the regular faith gatherings that the Queen organised and roped her family members into, along with other friends and other Christian connections. Here's how Graham describes their friendship in his autobiography, Just As I Am. He said, No one in Britain has been more cordial towards us than Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Almost every occasion I have been with her has been in a warm, informal setting, such as a luncheon or dinner, either alone or with a few family members or other close friends. I always found her very interested in the Bible and its message. Friends, how are we valuing and prioritising Christian community? Have we been setting aside time? Have we been setting aside time to meet together with other believers? How has the Holy Spirit been leading you in terms of your investment in Christian community and playing a role in encouraging others in their journey of faith too. You know, many people look back now, as we have now, and quite rightly, we, we have admiration for many of the things that the Queen did in her life, for her dedication, for her tireless service to others, and also for the rich legacy of faith that she left behind. But who knows that just like legacy of grand final success like the Geelong Football Club or Hawthorne Football Club in the last 15 years, those things just don't happen by magic. Legacies are shaped by simple, faithful, regular, everyday decisions, aren't they? You know, I know it all too well as a parent. My kids don't just suddenly grow into a beautiful example of godliness and, um, and joyful submission to me as their, as their father. There's, there's investment there. There's, there's faithfulness, faithfulness in sowing seeds and, and, and encouraging them on the journey and doing that day by day by day. And then when I stuff up, repenting, and then doing it again and again and again. A legacy of rich faith doesn't just happen by magic. They're shaped by the little choices we make each and every day. And that's the reality for Queen Elizabeth. And that can be the reality for our faith legacy too. So I just want to, right where we are, I just want to take a moment to personally reflect. For all of us to just have a moment with us and God to personally reflect on this kind of question. What's the legacy that I'm leaving? What's the legacy that I'm leaving? Are my everyday choices and commitments, are they honouring Jesus and pointing others to him? Or 
Is my legacy more self-focused than others-focused? Am I living to serve others like Jesus did? Or am I actually living to be served by others? Let's just take a moment for some personal reflection and then I'll pray for all of us together. Oh Lord Jesus, Lord God, today we firstly just want to say thank you that you, Jesus, your whole life was one dedicated to faith and service. You only did what you saw the Father doing and time and time again you put the needs of others before your own. You saw someone who needed prayer or ministry. You went without rest at times to do that. You ultimately served us by laying down your life for us. Incredible, God. And we thank you, Lord, that, that Queen Elizabeth II, that her life and example of faith and service was one, was simply a queen following a greater king in service. She was just a queen following a greatest king, King Jesus. And we thank you, God, for for her life and her legacy of faith. And Lord, as we consider our own lives of faith, our own lives of service following you, the one who has served us, God, we pray that you would, would shape us, that you would continue to grow us, that you would continue to challenge us to be people whose lives are dedicated to you, Lord. Lives, are, we're just full of joy as we get the opportunity to join with you in your work and the privilege of being people who serve others sacrificially. God, may our legacies of faith be shaped as we take it one step at a time, because that's how they are. Every day, one step at a time, we're setting our trajectory. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that with your help, you would help us to run this race well. Run this race in such a way that we are pointing other people to you. And that whether we have old kids, young kids, no kids, whatever, that we would be creating a home environment and our own character that would be one of faith and warmth and welcome in, in just reflection and in worship of you, Jesus, and the way that you went about your life. Help us, Holy Spirit, to use the platforms that you've given us, God, to share of our love for you and the good news of the gospel. Help us, Holy Spirit, to, to live to serve other people and resist the temptation that's always there, It's here in this post-COVID season, but it's always been there and it always will be. Help us, Lord, to resist the temptation to live to be served. But Lord, help us by you, Holy Spirit, your power to live to serve others sacrificially for their good and for your glory. And God, help us too, 
Lord, we need help in this because we just do. We, we just do. Lord, help us to value and prioritise community with other believers just like Jesus did. Help us to follow you in that, God. Giving of ourselves, carving out time in busy schedules, having it as a, as a fixed thing in our calendars so that when there's opportunities to gather, we take them as best we're able so that we can gain encouragement from being in community, but also, Lord, so that others can be encouraged through us being there and investing and encouraging them. So, God, we just pray that, yeah, just in all ways, Lord, that you would get the glory as you continue to shape us and grow us to be people of, of great faith and people of sacrificial service who are not doing things for any other reason other than to reflect you, our Saviour, and to live lives, grateful lives, for all you have done for us. So Holy Spirit, move in us, Lord. Move in each of us individually. Move in our church community collectively so that we might continue to grow as these kind of people, as followers of Jesus who are following the, the, sac, the one who served sacrificially in the ultimate way, in laying down your life for us. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.